So guys, I just wanted to give you a heads up. The audio in this recording isn't as good as usual. Uh, the reason being is because of COVID, we're sharing space in my where where I live. And so unfortunately, I had to go somewhere else to record this interview and the room was a bit more echoey and there was a uh, machine running in the background. So the audio isn't the greatest. So I apologize for that. But the content is definitely interesting. So please uh, forgive us for the audio and enjoy the show. What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room, the official podcast of AOTG.com, and I'm your host Gordon Burkell, and this episode we're going to be interviewing the editing team behind Borat, subsequent movie film. Now the editing team includes James Thomas, Mike Giambra, and Craig Alpert. And we're going to sit down and discuss everything from the security of the film, to the approach to editing this film, to the Giuliani scene, to just moments that made us laugh. So please sit back and enjoy this, this interview. But first, if you're a fan of these interviews, you're going to love FilmmakerU.com. FilmmakerU.com is a site where myself and a few other people bring in the top film creators in the industry to give you classes on how they approach their career. You can see the colorist from Mad Max, the sound designer from Martin Scorsese, among so many others. And now if you're interested in getting one of those courses, you can get 10% off using AOTG. That's AOTG as your coupon code at FilmmakerU.com. Now with all that said, here's my interview with the team from Borat Subsequent Movie Film. So I guess the first question I have, how did you guys approach editing this? Did you treat it like a documentary? Did you treat it like a fiction film? Did you treat it like a comedy? It seems that it bridges so many different areas and, and each of those areas of editing are so different. How did you approach cutting this? I mean, we, we, we definitely had a blueprint for, 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 for this type of movie. We, we've all done similar stuff before. Craig and I worked on the first movie with Sasha and Mike has done a lot of this kind of style of comedy as well. So, you know, we we were kind of in a position where we got it, we understood it. The new element for this movie was um, having some more scripted ideas, you know, so the story with Maria um, playing Tutar and her dad and the journey that they were on together and that interwoven with the rest of the movie was biggest editing challenge. So to answer the question, yeah, it, it's a lot of different elements. There's definitely that kind of documentary aspect to it, the reality mm -hmm. stuff. And then, and then the uh, the more scripted material, which I think is really what gave this movie its really unique characteristics. In terms of the scripted areas, I, I'm assuming it's things like when she goes to the doctor about eating the baby and the dance in, I think it was Texas. Were real people still involved in that? It was just scripted beforehand or was it all scripted? Well, I think it's like... It's really mainly the scenes between him and her, you know, at the mm -hmm. horse box. And I think it's it's tough to really script scenes when there's real people yeah. around. I think there's ideas of what you're going to do, but it, it always sort of evolves and changes just based on everyone there. Mm -hmm. You know, the doctor, that's that's him. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that that's what he said. But I'm, you know, at the debutante ball, they were always going to do a dance. I just think no one can't really plan how you're how you're going to get there and what you know and how people are going to react by that but there's always ideas but i think like really the scripted stuff is is the scenes between him and her yeah like eating the cupcake and so, but not you know there's not too much of that it was so secretive about how they were going about doing this because i don't think anyone knew really that this was coming and then all of a sudden the borat film appeared <laughs> what was the security like for you guys from an editing standpoint 
<laughs> we, we couldn't talk about it. Yeah. Um, you know, there were code names for the film. There were code names for the characters in the script. So if the script ever was leaked, no one would could make the determination that it was a Borat film. So, you know, reading the script, you have, you know, Borat's name is this and her name is that and Kazakhstan has a code name and everything so it's pretty top secret from from the very conception of the film uh, the writing and then all the way through the edit which became a bit of a challenge once we were working remotely trying to maintain that level of security and and keep it uh, a secret while we're all you know streaming it and bouncing cuts back and forth it wasn't too hard except you know for for a full year you could kind of have to lie about what you're working on <laughs> what did you tell people i guess what was your favorite this is what I'm working on. <laughs> I don't think I lied. I think I just said I just can't say. You know, oh, okay. I, you know, I, I think I, I think I alluded to like a Marvel or a Star Wars film, and people just accepted that. How about yourself, Craig and James? I think I just said I was working on a Sasha Baron Cohen project. No one really questioned it. I mean, no one really asked me. I guess in general, what what I'm working on, except for my my family. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I <clears throat> I'm not sure. I I actually got asked but i think because he, he he'd uh, done the tv show previously i think it was easy to just say yeah we're just working on a project with sasha i think you know no one in their wildest dreams thought it would be possible i don't think to make another borat movie mm-hmm. that kind of actually worked in our favor i think it did yeah when that rally footage you know leaked online a lot of the people who were there were filming on their cell phones when that came out a lot of people thought that it was from Who is America? So it was perfect yeah. to kind of throw off the scent. And we're like, great, no one would ever suspect that he would reprise the Borat character. Yeah. It's impossible to, to pull it off, you know, with yeah. everyone knowing the character so well. Like, as soon as he shows up with that voice in the gray suit, it's like a bust. But that's kind of what's extraordinary about this movie is that they, they pulled it off. They, they did it. Well, it's funny because the rally that you guys were talking about. Uh, with the big suit i was talking to rob legato uh who was a part of that shoot and he was like oh i can't talk about anything i can't talk about anything and then after the film came out he started telling me and this is why i was asking about security but he was saying things like essentially it was a temporary tattoo but it was it takes longer for it to leave and they basically put lawyers information on there so if you ever got arrested then you could just point to it and not say anything um they had like all these protocols in place for (laughs) executing the shoot the security that he had to deal with obviously is different on set, but I was wondering if it was uh, what kind of security you guys might have had to deal with. We didn't really, on, on our side, no, nobody really, I think, knew what we were doing and we were cutting in a small office in Hollywood. I just don't, no, no one really realized and there was no IMDb page listed yeah. and no one had our names out. So it really seemed like in terms of editing, it, it, was, it was a surprise. You know, once the rally happened, as Mike said, people knew so, so, something was going on. And then Sasha was running, doing that stuff where people recognize him on the street, which is in the beginning of the movie. That was that was almost one of the last things shot. So at that point, it's sort of everybody knew, but nobody knew where we were doing it or who was who was cutting the film. So we we had no issues. Yeah, that stuff in in Long Beach was where the the story broke right and and right to the end of the shoot and actually someone somewhere i think was doing their job in a very smart way because that then put you know we were done shooting and that put the seed out there that oh maybe there's a borat movie coming and that kind of got people interested um so i'm sure that wasn't that wasn't a mistake (laughs) 
Now, what would you say was one of the more challenging scenes for you guys to edit, and, and why why was that? There were definitely a, a few challenging scenes in the movie. The scene that kind of springs to mind is probably, uh, well, two, Giuliani, the Rudy Giuliani scene, and CPAC. CPAC had a big influence on the film. It was originally conceived to be the culmination of the movie, so the, the end of the third act. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the virus kind of took hold and kicked in, and because that happened, production got shut down, but editorial kept going. We were just looking through some footage that had been shot at CPAC, and we found this moment with Mike Pence at the lectern where he starts talking about how ready the Trump administration is for dealing with the virus. You know, so he says, as of the latest count, we've got 15 confirmed cases, and I was speaking to the president yesterday, we're ready, we're ready for anything. And when that moment was found and we all took a look at it, the realization was, okay, we need to embrace COVID. That needs to become a through line, a character, if you like, in the movie, we need to actually get in there. And so that's when everything changed and that got pulled up to much earlier in the movie and changed the whole story. And so the writers reacted, they went away and reconceived the movie from that that point down. And then they went back out and shot it and then we scrambled and, and got it together. And, you know, because our hard deadline was the election. Yeah. Um, and it was decided we wanted to get the movie out by then. And so then it was literally just full court press, all hands on deck. Let's get the movie made. Now you're saying it was originally supposed to be the ending, which is interesting because it doesn't feel like that when I watched the film. So was there more to that scene or was there something else that got removed? Well, there was stuff that hadn't been shot yet. So yeah. there was going to be a little bit more but it was just supposed to be part of it but it's in a much better spot now (laughs) (laughs) mike and craig was there another scene that that really stood out for you guys the lockdown house with jim and jerry the QAnon guys because that when that footage came in we were looking at maybe 20 different cameras and over 140 hours of footage so that scene just kept evolving until the very end. I think that was one of the last scenes that was you know, still changing right before we locked the picture. And we all took a, a pass at it. We had a few guest editors come on board to take a pass at it and just try to extract the best jokes, the best structure without having to take a 60 minute break to live in the house, which you could, we, we had a 60 minute cut that was really funny. And you know, you just felt like the breaks were stopping for this particular scene. So I think it was just a matter of trying to like whittle it down to its bare essentials, you know, to, to get the laughs, to find the story elements that we wanted and, you know, keep on moving with the story. How do you test for laughs? Because one of the things, whenever I talk to editors who like to cut comedy is, you know, the showing it to an audience is really important to see where jokes aren't landing and getting your timing right. So how do you do that when you're trying to make it so quietly, I guess you could say? And actually the bigger problem was is that we weren't we weren't able to really get people in a in a movie theater, mm-hmm. you know, here in California. We had a lot of audiences see it and it's actually pretty shocking that really nothing leaked. I mean they sign NDAs, but I just people actually honored honored them. So we we had virtual screenings here, which is always tough to gauge. It's a new process. We're watching them over Zoom, but you can't really hear them. So you're just looking at facial expressions. But we, we screened outside of the country a few times in New Zealand. It didn't, it didn't really leak out there either. It was pretty amazing. But we, we tested sort of all over the place. But the most successful, yeah, was in New Zealand um, since there wasn't really any COVID there. So, and that's a, 
first for I've I had never worked on a film where we had consistently previewed outside of the country where none of us could be there but we just had a camera on them and we could see and hear them and I think it um, helped us a great deal screening there and if we weren't able to I don't I don't know what we we would have done but it was difficult in the US to have a screening it, it works surprisingly well Sasha loves to preview that's his thing he loves previewing the movie and as you alluded to um, in your question it's like comedies have to be previewed right because the audience is going to tell you whether something's funny or not. Mm -hmm. And so I think we were all a little concerned, like as COVID got more and more of a hold, that how are we going to do this? And uh, thankfully, New Zealand have done a better job than we have <laughs> <laughs> of managing the virus. And so uh, we were able to, to, as Craig said, test a bunch over there. And it makes a huge difference with a movie that has so much spontaneity in it. And you can think something's funny, but the proof is definitely in in the audience you know they, they'll tell you if, if something's funny you know Craig you said this the the previews helped you you guys a lot was there big changes after the previews I mean I think like every movie there's there's always changes I mean I wouldn't say there were big changes after the previews but there's there's so much funny material that was shot then and, and it all you know it all doesn't make it in we we really only want to keep you know the a jokes so I I think really what to be most valuable about the screenings is stuff that people did not laugh at stuff that we intended to be funny that didn't get laughs and that's what you want to get out of there and if they're confused about anything or you know it's it's nice to know that too but i think yeah what we really need is we needed to know was there stuff that people didn't find funny that we all thought was funny and if it and if it didn't get a healthy laugh it was out of there was there anything that you thought was really funny but didn't get the laugh and so you had to pull it that you wish could go in but just wasn't getting the laugh? I mean, I, I can't think of anything on top. I mean, there's always stuff, me personally, there's always stuff, there's often stuff that I think is funny and I don't understand why no one's <laughs> laughing. I guess it's just my sixth sense of humor. But I think, no, you know, we all seem to really be in agreement and on the same page about what should stay in and what should go out. And nothing, in a, especially in a film like this, nothing... Can really be that precious there's so many options and it's nice to listen to the audience some you know to to an extent james you you talked about um the giuliani scene what was it like to get that footage in and, and screen that footage you know what were you expecting to see what what did you know when you saw it and and how did you guys tackle building that scene that, that was really exciting right i mean that, that was like that was the culmination of the movie and we were talking about this the other day with somebody and um i'd kind of forgotten but mike reminded me that we we had this little secret youtube stream of the cameras uh as the event was happening live so we were all able to tune in and, and watch it and then literally i think 10 minutes after they'd finished the scene my phone rang and sasha was like did we get it and i was like <laughs> uh yeah i think so you know i'm not i don't want to kind of put put my uh my name to it but yeah i think i think you probably did there's enough there <clears throat> and we went away and we kind of the three of us looked at everything and the conclusion was yeah we we, we had enough of a because obviously they only have one shot at that right it, it's mm -hmm. it's a one shot deal it's like robbing a bank and they have to be so prepared they show up you know production did an absolutely Jason Wallenauer, director, uh, Luke Geist, our, our director of 
photography, you know, they just, they're so prepared. They've got the cameras in the right place. They've kind of gone through every scenario possible. But then in terms of the footage that we got, it's fairly limited. I mean, it, it, that's what happened. Um, and, and we obviously present it in terms of moving our story forward. But Giuliani did that and he said that. And Maria was fearless. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, she just did the most extraordinary job. And um, she just got nominated for an Oscar, didn't she? She did. Right. Yeah. yeah she did. So fingers crossed that she gets that, because to, to be able to keep up with Sasha, I feel that was, she did a phenomenal job. She she really yeah. did. I mean, she yeah. brought so much more heart, and, and she brought layers to this movie that I don't think, you know, any of us could have imagined. She, she was truly extraordinary. I feel you won't be able to answer this question, but I'm in, interested in knowing... Do you think that scene helped impact the election? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it did. Um, I mean, we were, you know, we were all on a various text threads, and I just remember us texting with Jason Warner, the director. He's like, "I think this film will change the election," and I absolutely believed him. And you saw these after the film came out. I felt like he was just in, Rudy was embarrassing himself left and right. It was just like it really kind of opened up the whole. Trump presidency in the cabinet is just an embarrassment. So I, I'm surprised people weren't aware of it before, but I felt like the film, you know, reaching a larger audience, I think they could kind of see how, what a buffoon Rudy was. Like, how could you trust a lawyer like him? <laughs> or hire yeah, him. I, mean, I, I think the administration, they, they were poised to release all the, the Biden stuff, right? The laptop. Yeah. You know, the, they had their smoking gun. And as it happens, you know, the, the leaks of the, the interview with him started to happen around that same time. And it kind of, it had a pretty awesome effect because it kind of took the sting out of the tail of that. I mean, it was all rubbish anyway, right? But yeah. it definitely put a damper on the Trump administration's revelation of, oh yeah, we've got this laptop with all this crazy stuff on it because people that were talking about uh, this story. You know? yeah. so, I mean, I hope, I really hope it had some sort of effect. It would be amazing. <laughs> Well, I think like Mike was saying, there was sort of this string of weird events. Like there's the Borat thing. I think around the same time, Four Seasons <laughs> landscaping occurred. Yeah, I think it was yeah, right after. Uh, yeah, Tara Die. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember the there was a late night show person who was like, "Who would have thought that Borat wouldn't be the most embarrassing thing to happen to Giuliani this week?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it all seemed very scripted, everything that Giuliani did. You can't, it's it's so good, you can't write that stuff. Now that yeah. press conference at the Garden Center was like, oh, he's giving a press conference at Four Seasons. Everyone's like, okay, good, good. And then he turns up outside some Garden Center in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> now, I have uh, one last question that I'd like to ask everyone to interview, and that is, what would you say your favorite guilty pleasure film is to watch? Uh, I can answer that straight off the bat, Dumb and Dumb. Oh yeah, uh, that is my guilty prejudice. The, this most stupid, idiotic movie uh, ever, and it's it's just it's absolute genius as far as I'm concerned. I absolutely love that movie. It's there's nothing smart about it, but Jeff Daniels and Jim Carrey just do such a great job, and I could I could eulogize for hours. But yeah, that's my guilty pleasure for sure. I'm gonna go even older. I I you this is one that I used to watch a lot. It was the original Vacation. Chevy Chase. I haven't watched it in a while, but I've probably watched that the most. 
guilty pleasure i it's it's tough i feel like the term guilty pleasure i just find pleasure in in everything and i don't feel guilty about it at all um <laughs> dumb and dumber is is one of my yeah all, one of my all-time favorites i remember seeing that with my dad in the theater and just like cracking up and not quite sure why i was a little too young and there's so many great memories tied to that film yeah just i, I, lo- I love them all love love cinema i'm assuming you guys have seen the jerk Right. Oh, yes. love the yes. yeah. Because that's that's another one where it's really stupid, silly. Dirty rotten scoundrels. If we're on a on a yeah. scene. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually got asked to leave a theater in London because I was making too much noise watching yeah. that movie. And some, uh, it was back in the day, and an usher came along with his torch and said, "People are actually like you're you're pissing people off. Could you please leave?" Because <laughs> 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 I was laughing so much, so I I, I left. Oh, yeah, man. those are great films. Ruprecht. Yeah, Ruprecht. <laughs> the cork. And then the jerk. They're shooting the cans. Yeah. <laughs> I also I also like uh, unsolicited free advertisement when he gets the uh, <laughs> the phone book. He's like, ah, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> unsolicited free advertisement. Well, thank you so much for letting me interview. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good week, guys. So that was my interview with the team from Borat Subsequent Movie Film. I'd like to thank James, Mike, and Craig for allowing me to interview them. I'd like to thank Prime Video for setting up this interview. And of course, I'd like to thank Evan Winch for cutting this episode. I'm your host, Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening.